Hello, hi, I'm Erin Vandevin. Thanks for joining me today. This is Medium Lady Talks. This podcast is about figuring out the medium effort way to get the most out of life today. I hope the things I unpack here can role model and invite you to sort out your own ways to live life in the present. This is a show about experimenting to get closer to what matters most. I'm glad you're here, so let's settle in. Today is episode one. That's it. I finally bit the bullet. I'm finally trying this podcast thing. Medium Lady talks about books. Winter 2021. Hello. Hi. Uh, Welcome to this first episode. It's a bit of a work in progress, a bit of experimentation. Um, I'm going to start by talking about books. If you've followed me on Instagram, you'll know that every month I give myself a monthly assignment. And that's my way of putting a bit of effort up front into deciding how I'm going to spend my time, my free time. Um, So much of our lives, our time is decided for us. And my assignment is a way of getting a clean slate every month to... Think about how I want to have fun. I like to say on Instagram, my goal is to have mindful fun every day. And starting at the beginning of the month to decide about how I spend my free time allows me to not spend too much time in the weeds whenever a beautiful pocket of free time does crop up. I've already decided once at the beginning of the month how to spend my time and I just return to that list. On Instagram, in my stories, I detail how I do this in four pillars that work for me. And this took a bit of trial and error, but I would love to hear from you where the best ways for you to think about how you spend your time are. Pillars that I use to help me decide how to spend my free time are read. I decide the books that I want to read for the month. Play. I decide how I'm going to have fun and cut loose and not worry too much about the end product. I think about the things I want to try And this is usually about pushing myself out of my comfort zone, doing something that's going to maybe make me a little bit uncomfortable, but hopefully help me learn something or grow in a way that I hadn't been able to. And think. And think is usually about something thematic, something a little bit more uh, otherworldly, a little bit more spiritual probably isn't the right word, maybe pseudo-spiritual. And I usually choose a word of reference or a theme and look for it in my everyday life. I look for it in books. I look for it in pop culture. I look for it in conversations. And I just try to bring it to the forefront of my consciousness. So this podcast is an extension of those four pillars. It's an extension of how I choose to spend my free time. And yes, I am trying to start a podcast. So I am definitely feeling outside of my comfort zone as we speak, but we'll see how it goes. And even if this is the only episode of Medium Lady Talks that ever makes its way out into the world, I'm okay with that. I've decided on a pretty low-hanging fruit in terms of topic, in terms of something I know I can talk about, and that is going to be a review and rundown of the books that I read in winter 2021. I'm counting that as the months of January and February. If you're interested in seeing the books I planned to read, those are very different than the books I ended up reading, please join me on Instagram and you can see those in my highlights. So first up, I thought I would talk about how many books I read in the last couple of months. And let me see, I have my list here. So fiction-wise, I read 
one, two, three, four, five, six, seven fiction books. Nonfiction, I read three. And personal development, I read one book. I am calling nonfiction and personal development two separate categories, but you can tell me what you think about that. Um, the first thing I'm going to do is to rank those books. And of course, book reading is subjective. The books that you love are not necessarily going to be the books that I love. But identifying what I like and thinking about what I didn't like helps me for the next month and the month ahead to make really good decisions about what to read. And that's the reason that I'm going to rate them and rank them, because I'm going to learn something about my favorite book of the month, and I'm going to learn something about my least favorite book of the month. I think in the interest of fun, I'm going to start with the book that I like the least. And yeah, see, I'm even already a little bit hesitant to share the book that I like the least. In the lowest category of book, I guess that's number 11, is the book Happy and You Know It. This book is fiction. It's written by Laura Hankin. This book was something that I saw a friend of mine reading on Instagram, and this is a friend that typically I really love her recommendations. However, Happy and You Know It did not scratch the itch for me. I will tell you, I started reading this book. I finished it probably in 48 hours. And I did that because I didn't really enjoy it. I couldn't wait for it to be over. Now, don't ask me why I didn't just put it down and walk away. But perhaps that has to do with the content. Uh, Goodreads calls this book a dark, witty page turner set around a group of wealthy mothers and the young musician who takes a job singing to their babies and finds herself pulled into their glamorous lives and dangerous secrets. This book is slow to start, I will tell you that. Halfway through, there's a very exciting twist. Probably a few more paces through, there's another couple of interesting twists. This book reminds me of another book that I read last year in 2020 called Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed. That book is one of my favorite books of 2020, and perhaps that set Happy and You Know It a little bit with a high bar to reach. That being said, this was the least favorite book that I read this month. I just didn't feel like the characters were very relatable. I just couldn't understand their decisions. It did feel very forced. There's a twist that involves a very significant pivot of a character, and that I just didn't buy. Also, the suspenseful emergency dark side of this book was kind of unbelievable. And did I really care so much about Claire or the women that she's working for? I didn't really, and I couldn't quite muster it up. Now, this book has pretty much everything going for it. It's a little bit like reading an episode of Gossip Girl if Gossip Girl was actually Gossip Mom and instead of a elite high-powered clique of prep schoolers. It was an elite high-powered group of wealthy mothers, but there's just something that was not very sympathetic about anybody in this book. And the men in this book are the biggest eye roll you could ever imagine. They were not written with any dimension whatsoever. They were really placeholders for other parts of the story to move ahead, and I just felt like Laura didn't do her homework in terms of writing men, and she didn't really do her homework in terms of writing about female friendships. 
What is it that makes women drawn to each other? What is it that makes women support each other or not? And where does that go wrong when we're parents and when we have lots of expectations put upon us? That's the book I want to read. And that's not this book. Now, that being said, I will say that not everybody thinks like I do. And I thought it would be fun to read a five-star review of this book on Goodreads. Let's see what someone thought about the book who rated it five stars. Okay, and this is a woman named Teresa rated it five stars. She says, this is a wonderful novel. For the first part of it, I couldn't figure out why I was turning the pages too fast to take notes, which I usually do when there are this many characters involved. So maybe that's another point about character that I'm struggling with is the characters aren't distinct enough. There are a lot of characters. And so for Teresa to need to take notes about the characters, perhaps that's her reading style, but it does concern me that the characters didn't stand out enough for them to be memorable. She says, this novel is told from some of the moms too. I had more sympathy for some of them than others. That's true. Missing having their day jobs while maintaining their skinny physiques and pretending there are no challenges with being a mom, even to a child with a behavior disorder, because of course they are perfect in every way. The novel gets to be even more of a twist and turn page turner with a supremely satisfying ending. I mean, yeah, there are good guys and bad guys and the bad guys lose in this book. Um, the bad women, bad behaving women get their comeuppance. But, you know, I think if you think about the villain in this book and you take a step back, you can see that she doesn't get a great hand. She doesn't get good backstory. Uh, she doesn't also, like, there's things happening to this woman that are kind of miserable. And yet she's the villain and she does kind of get her comeuppance in the end. Okay, so that's my lowest ranking book. It's probably the book I'm going to talk the most about other than my favorite book. Uh, let's go on to the 10th ranking book. The 10th ranking book that I read was Sapiens. Sapiens is uh, subtitled A Brief History of Humankind. And let me just read a brief a brief summary of a brief history of humankind. It says, 100,000 years ago, at least six human species inhabited the earth today. Today, there is just one, us, Homo sapiens. How did the species succeed in the battle for dominance? Why did our foraging ancestors come together to create cities and kingdoms? How did we come to believe in gods, nations, and human rights, to trust money, books, and laws, and to be enslaved by bureaucracy, timetables, and consumerism? And what will our world be like in the millennia to come? Okay, actually, this is like a very apt description of this book. Basically, those questions lie out chapter by chapter or part by part. Yuval Noah Harari's thesis for this book. I do think that to consider the ambition of walking through history from the beginning of Homo sapiens to artificial intelligence at the end of the book is a big, big task. This book was recommended to me by um, one of my mentors, and I picked it up by audiobook at the library. It was a 17-hour listen, and I'll tell you what, I do commute to work every day, probably spending anywhere from an hour to two hours in the car, hopefully closer to one hour. I do find that audiobooks are the best way to get nonfiction, to, for me, to consume nonfiction. I'm way more likely to abandon a nonfiction book than a fiction book. And I do just feel like Sapiens, I never would have made it through this book if I'd had the paper copy in front of me. That being said, this book ranks number 10 because it just kind of too much of a meander. 
I like books that take a topic, explore a thesis, and then get really deep down and dirty. And this book is more about breadth than depth, so I'm giving it the 10th ranking. I would say, between Sapiens and Happy and You Know It, those books I would give a probably pass. Meaning, if you want to read them, I would suggest you might pass. Coming up in my next category, which are books that were fine but not great, I'm going to call this the Know Yourself category. Sometimes we all read books that are fine but not great, and the reason is because we know ourselves. We know that the book scratches a particular itch. We know that it really fits within a specific quadrant of our interests. And for me, and I've said this on Instagram a number of times before, I am abashedly a lover of young adult fiction with female teen heroines, typically in fantasy worlds with some kind of secret magical power or some kind of secret bloodline or history. I love these books, these types of books, and if you have ever read anything by Sarah J Maas, you will understand why I am putting these books squarely in the middle of my ranking for this month. Sarah J Maas writes right in one of my quadrants. Whenever I put down a book like Sapiens, I need to go immediately to my favorite quadrant of books so that I don't lose momentum with reading. That may be why I actually read three Sarah J Maas books in the last two months. The first one is Empire of Storms, the second one was Queen of Shadows, and the last one was Air of Fire. Actually, mm, those might all be in a little bit of a different order. Um, these are all from the Throne of Glass series. Throne of Glass is a seven book series about a heroine named Selena Sardothian, who is known as an assassin, and she's the most talented assassin in her realm. And it kind of unfolds from there. There are fairies, there are witches, there are kings, there are queens, there are magic objects, there are gods and goddesses, there is secret stories, there are sexy scenes, there are violent scenes. This book contains pretty much everything you could possibly want with maybe a fifth of the characters in um, Game of Thrones and none of the political posturing that exists in the Game of Thrones books. They're also really meaty, so it takes me a while to make it through one of the Throne of Glass books, which I like because I tend to just reach for it again and again and again, and the longer the book, the less I have to be confronted with the decision of what to read next. And I don't know about you, but whenever I'm confronted with the question of what to read next, that is a risky reading territory for me because it means that I might delay the answer to that question. The longer I delay the answer to that question, the more likely I am to spend my time in some kind of Instagram scrolling time passage vortex instead of reading, which is something I love to do and something I want to be doing purposefully. So those three books I'm calling the Know Yourself a category, and I guess I would give them the 9, 8, and 7 position in my books for these couple months. Um, if you know yourself and if you like these books, then I think you will really love them and they might actually be must-reads for you. But you really have to know yourself, and I would not recommend them to anyone if I did not know that they already like those kinds of books. Hello, this is um, editing Erin here. I'm... So sorry that my ability to count backwards is lacking, and I promise I will get better at that as the podcast goes on. However, I'm inserting in here book number six because I do go from nine seven eight nine eight seven 
to book number five. And book number six on my list is another Know Yourself book. This is the only book that I read in the personal development, you know, category this month. Um, And that is the book, Share Your Stuff, I'll Go First by Lara Tremaine. Uh, This book is pretty great. This is a good book for me to give as gifts to the people that I have in my circle, to the women specifically. And I have given it away already to a couple of people. I love this book so much. The reason it's number six is because I do feel like it is a very specific know yourself kind of book. If you like journaling, if you like reflection, if you like talking, and if you like listening, this is a good book for you. If you're not sure about this book, I would highly recommend Lara's podcast, 10 Things to Tell You. It can be found anywhere you listen to podcasts. And if that podcast is something that you like, then I would definitely recommend you pick up the book. But if you screen that podcast and you don't love it so much, then you probably could pass on the book. That is my book in the number six spot. That's 10 Things to Tell You by Lara Tremaine. Okay, so we are at book number five. And I guess given my list, this is a book that kind of lands smack in the middle. The number five book I'm giving to the book Queenie, which is by Candace Carty Williams. The Goodreads summary is very apt for this book as well. It's called Bridget Jones's Diary Meets Americana in this disarmingly honest, boldly political, and truly inclusive novel that will speak to anyone who has gone looking for love and found something very different in its place. So this book is about a 25-year-old Jamaican-British woman who lives in London, and it really straddles these two cultures. She really can't find her place in life. She's struggling with work. She's struggling with relationships. It took me for a bit of a ride because there are some scenes in this book that are sexually very graphic and made it hard for me to understand the choices that she was making. But I think the author does a really great job of taking you through that past trauma, which is very hidden, but you sort of have a sense of something having been not quite right for this woman, and it's playing out in her relationships. And as a reader of this book, you become very invested in seeing if she can find healing, seeing if she can stop the cycle of self-destructive behavior in order to find her way through her 20s to a place where she can reconcile her childhood with her adulthood and move forward. This book is very well written. Again, I think at first I started reading it, I wasn't sure if I was going to finish it, and gradually the character of Queenie, the author does a really beautiful job of really pulling you into her world. She has a dynamic group of friends, she has a dynamic family life, she has very interesting relationships, and it makes for very interesting reading over time. It is very Bridget Jones' diary as well, which I think makes it easy to read interspersed with some of the challenging content. I would definitely recommend this book if you're looking for reading stories that are different from your own and reading stories that will give you perspective into the lived lives of Black or Indigenous or people of color in your stories. If you've felt like your reading life has not given you access to those kinds of stories, Queenie is a really good place to go and a really good place to start um, adding diversity to your fiction book pile. That is my number five book. That is Queenie by Candace Cardi Williams. 
Okay, book number four coming up behind that book is another book, actually not dissimilar, but more of a memoir. And this book is called They Said This Would Be Fun by Eternity Martis. They Said This Would Be Fun is memoir, and it goes actually very nicely hand in hand with Queenie. Eternity Martis is a journalist from Toronto, which is where I'm from. And it talks about her experience going to the University of Western Ontario. I said before that nonfiction, I really make my way through as audio. And I did listen to Eternity read this book. It is a hard to read but necessary to read book. I am not a university student. I'm a parent. I have been a part of academia in my career. And I think this book honestly should be required reading for any parents sending their kids to university and probably required reading for anyone who works in an academic setting. I learned so much about what BIPOC members of our community, students going to schools, must experience in addition to their experience in universities, what their experience coming of age and transitioning from high school to generalized society where white supremacy runs rampant as part of our systematized way of living. I learned so much from this book. It was very hard to read for me because I felt the waves of anger coming off of the author. I felt the sense of injustice in her life and I also, as like very similar to Queenie, I could not understand her choices. She experiences overt and covert racism at Western University, and I couldn't understand why she wouldn't just leave the school. And, you know, that to me, I reflected on was a really important thing for me to learn about tone policing. Tone policing is something that can happen when people who have a marginalized experience share their story, uses a voice that makes other people uncomfortable. And by other people, I mean white people. I really found myself tone policing while listening to this book, especially by audiobook. I'm really glad that I recognized that I was tone policing. Sidebar, if you're interested in learning more about tone policing, I would really recommend that you seek out Jasmine Bradshaw. She is a beautiful podcaster. She has a podcast called First Name Basis. Uh, she has a great podcast on tone policing. And I was allowed to kind of check myself and continue to listen to the book despite how uncomfortable and sad I felt while listening to how angry Eternity was about her experience. And honestly, she should be angry. But I think I wanted to see her make her way again to a place of healing. But that's not for me to decide. That's not for me to impose on her story. It's her story. And I am really glad that I read this book. That is my number four book. That is They Said This Would Be Fun by Eternity Martis. Both of those books fall in the know yourself category. Uh, again, I think you have to know yourself and where you're at in your anti-racist education. If you have been engaging in content that is changing your perspective or opening your eyes to new stories and you're pursuing those kinds of books and you know yourself and you know that you're doing that, I would recommend both of these books very highly. 
okay, three books left to go. I'm really kind of dabbling with my third place book, but I'm going to put that book in The Power of Ritual by Casper Turkile. The Power of Ritual is a heartwarming, cozy, generous book that talks about spirituality, religion, and our lives today. It talks about finding connection through ritual, connection to ourselves, connection to others, connection to nature, and connection to transcendence or spirituality. Casper is a very educated man when it comes to religion, religious traditions. That being said, this book is very easy to read. If you like books that trot along with helpful tips and interesting information, and, you know, books that are kind of stimulating and make you want to kind of try something else, try something new, think about your life in a different way, slow down, then I would really recommend this book. I think it is a must read for many of us at home, feeling that our days are copy paste versions of each other one after the other. These chapters gave me a real sense of adding variety to my life and achieving connection in a way that I hadn't found possible through the pandemic. The book was published before the pandemic, and so there are moments of the book where he recommends getting together. He recommends the importance of gathering with one another. And I think maybe if you don't have much of an imagination, you will feel frustrated by that content. But we've all been very flexible, we've all been very patient, and we've all been very innovative. And I think if you read this book and you think about where you're missing opportunities to gather together, perhaps you weren't actually gathering that often in person, and then the pandemic just pointed out to you what a gap that was in your life, this book will give you ways to consider nurturing that side of yourself, nurturing your need for connection whether or not you can get in in a real place with face-to-face -face with others. I really loved this book and I've taken many notes and, and made reference to it in other areas of my life. And uh, I would highly recommend it if you're looking for a way to connect perhaps your religious upbringing with your spirituality in a contemporary sense. I know a lot of people who are raised in a church and are no longer churchgoers, but do find themselves seeking spirituality and transcendence, this book is a really good place to start. That's The Power of Ritual by Casper Turkile. Okay, my last two books for winter of 2021 are two really good books, but they're very different. The book number two is Leave the World Behind by Ruman Alam. Oh boy! This is a very good book. I read this book in about 24 hours. I could not put it down. I stayed up reading late into the night, which I will tell you is very rare for me. I could not get enough of this book. I would read this book while my kids were in total chaos and pandemonium around me. I neglected my motherhood duties completely in order to get immersed in this book. Leave the World Behind is about a middle-class white family who is enjoying a vacation at a rented country house. And while they're enjoying their time out there, they have a knock on the door, which is actually the couple who owns the house, asking to take shelter because of an unknown but mysterious series of events happening in New York City where they live. What follows is both post-apocalyptic science fiction-y, emotional, relational content, 
and quite spooky, to be frank. I would recommend this to anyone who likes fast-paced post-apocalyptic books. If you liked Station Eleven, if you like The Road by Cormac McCarthy, you will really like this book. This is a brilliant point of view on post-apocalyptic novels in that Ruman Alam has actually done what I'm going to call peri-apocalypse. Peri meaning in between, in the time of. There is so much going on in this book that we don't understand, which makes it both thrilling and unsettling and relatable to the times that we're living in now. I felt like the characters were amazingly written. There are racial tones in this book that are subtle and overt. There are references to climate change in this book. There are scenes that are written that are absolutely breathtaking. And there are scenes that are written that will give you the heebie-jeebies. Um, it's also kind of a sexy book. Um, there are a couple of sexy time scenes in there. And again, there's really not a lot of characters in this book to cross-reference behavior between the characters. Um, they do become somewhat one-dimensional at times, and I think that was really purposeful by the author to remind us that when we are finding ourselves in the midst of uncertainty and disaster, we do not find ourselves ready to grow or change. And so you won't see a lot of that happen in this book, but I'm sure it was done on purpose. One last part about Leave the World Behind is that the rights were snatched up by Netflix before this book was even published. Now, I'm not going to say that's a sign of a good book necessarily, but it is a sign of a good thriller book. And I cannot wait to see this book realized on film. I have heard rumors that Denzel Washington and Julia Roberts are set to star as some of the characters. I will definitely keep my eyes peeled. Who knows who's filming what in these times that we're living in. But regardless, Leave the World Behind, from me to you, is a must read. Okay, that leaves my number one book of winter 2021. And this is The Pull of the Stars by Emma Donahue. Emma Donahue, you probably know she wrote the book Room. And that was a amazing runaway hit that I have not read. I have not read that book. If I have a quadrant, which is uh, books I just can't do, it's books about children that have to do with confinement, containment, kidnapping, or abuse. Those books for me are a hard pass, and understanding the content of Room, I just know it's not my kind of thing in the way that I know uh, sci-fi fantasy fiction books about young, young women who have secret powers are absolutely 100% read for me. You really have to know yourself when it comes to certain kinds of content. And I will tell you uh, that I, I have kind of figured those two areas out, if not much else. Uh, but back to The Pull of the Stars. The Pull of the Stars is about a nurse in Ireland working during the 1918 pandemic. She works in an understaffed hospital where expectant mothers who have come down with flu, so they're both pregnant and they have this flu, are quarantined together in order to not spread their flu to the other maternity ward. This book takes place over about three days. It is dark and intense and beautiful and heartbreaking. It definitely makes you think a lot about the pandemic that we're in right now. Myself, as someone who works in healthcare, 
I really loved how this was written from the nursing point of view. I was actually blown away by how well Emma Donahue thought as a nurse. She really gets the thinking of nursing down. And I was also blown away by the practice of nursing in 1918, the way that the nurse uses her five senses in order to provide good care for her patients. This book is sad. This book is beautiful. It's also funny. I just think it hits every single thing you could possibly want in a book that's historical fiction. I will tell you that I am not much of a historical fiction reader, but this book, I finished it and I actually said out loud, what? It's over? Um, because I was reading it on my e-reader and I hadn't been paying attention to how close I was getting to finish the book. I could not recommend it enough. I know many people have read this book, but I had not had a chance to check it out and I would absolutely give it my number, number, number one spot. Now, let's be fair. I give this five out of five stars. I give this five medium lady thumbs up, whatever you want to call it. But I read the five star review of Happy and You Know It. I'm going to read, I'm going to try to find a one star or two star review of this book for just the sake of saying that, listen, not all books are for everyone. And if you read something and you don't like it, but someone else does, it really doesn't matter. It's totally fine. Okay, here is a book reviewer. Her name is Miranda Reads. It seems like Miranda has a uh, YouTube channel and she's going to call this her worst book of 2020. Oh my gosh. And here's what she says. Um, I'm not big on historical fiction, nor books centered on or occurring during a war, so I really should have seen this one coming. Yes, that's kind of like a know yourself issue. Miranda, please. Uh, but I just couldn't get into it. I listened to the audiobook, and normally I'm quite good at that, but I just constantly felt my mind wandering and my attention straying. There were elements that worked well for me, like the characters of Julia, Bertie, and their friendship. And from what I can tell, the actual history bits were incredibly well-researched and put together. It just never clicked with me. Um, I also think it might be the flu that Julia dealt with just felt too close to home with the current pandemic. Ah, well. Okay, I mean, I guess, fair enough. I think, certainly, if you want to read to escape, this book probably does hit too close to home with the pandemic. Um, so I will give you that, Miranda Reads. Let's see if we can find another lower rating trying to find one, but people love this book as much as I did. Okay, here's a person named Dem. Oh dear, wow, harsh, harsh Dem. This one reads a little like A Complete Idiot's Guide to Giving Birth in a Pandemic in 1981. I really wasn't going to read this novel, as being center stage in a pandemic is enough without having to read it in my leisure time. I took a chance, as I love The Wonder. That's another book by Emma Donahue. She goes on to say, This book is historically accurate and interesting. It was way too medically detailed for me. The medical procedure of the time is meticulously researched, accurately portrayed. Oh, this person felt it was three quarters of the novel, relentless and tiring. Descriptions of childbirth found myself skimming paragraphs just to move on a little quicker. Maybe it is because I'm a nurse that I found that so... In Sorry, this is my, this is my voice now. Um, maybe it is because I'm a nurse and I work in healthcare that I found it really fascinating. I, I don't think I would say that it was three quarters of the novel. Oh my gosh, that's 
That's a lot. No, I would say, I don't think it was that. There's like relationships and heartbreak. Um, but hey, you know what? That's okay. Like I just said, it's okay if you didn't like it. And so, yes, there are descriptions of healthcare in it. So, so listen, I'm going to highly recommend The Pull of the Stars. But if you have any of the concerns about what some of those reviewers said, then maybe it's not for you. But you really, again, you have to know yourself. Or at least, again, like what we're doing here is thinking about what we've read, thinking about why we didn't like it and why we did, and then reaching for more of the things that we did like. I don't really believe in making yourself read things you don't like, and I have not covered any of the books here that I did not finish. Let's see. Up next, I want to tell you about a way that I will often research a book after I've read it. There's a lot of the time when I finish a book and I feel like maybe I didn't quite get enough out of the book, or maybe I didn't quite get as much as I could have, and I really want to talk about it with somebody but I don't know anybody who's read the book and I don't belong to any book clubs, believe it or not, as for someone who reads as much as I do. Maybe I should find one. Maybe I should make one, a medium lady book club. But what I want to recommend is looking up the author on a podcast, a YouTube interview, see where you can find their writing elsewhere, see if you can find them on Instagram as a way to understand their content a little bit deeper. The book that I did that with this month was the book by Eternity Martis. They said this would be fun. I found an awesome podcast interview with her on actually the Kobo podcast of all things. The host does an interview with Eternity Martis that I thought was very skilled, very nuanced, really brought out more about the book. It answered a lot of questions that I had and it answered a lot of my own resignation that I had about um, coming to terms with how angry she was in some of the book. I really loved this interview. I felt like it touches on my questions about race. It touches on my questions about being a young woman, being a 20-something aged woman, uh, about university. It answers my question about why didn't she just leave? And it also, you know, sets up what she's doing now and where she's at and her perspective for writing the book. So I would recommend that if you want to read the book or you're not sure if you want to read the book, then jump into the Kobo in Conversation podcast episode with Eternity Martis. All right, so we are coming to the end of today's podcast. Thank you so much for joining me on this experiment. Please let me know what you think. This is episode one of one. And so we have a bit of an opportunity to see what changes in the Medium Lady Talks podcast moving forward. What's next for me on my book stack? Well, I can tell you that I am already deep into a great book probably well known to many of you, called Maybe You Should Talk to Someone by Lori Gottlieb. So far, this book is in heavy contention for one of my must-read recommendations, but I'll review my book stack at the end of April to talk about my spring reads in 2021. I also have teed up a book called No Mon Ping, as well as a couple of books about burnout, a couple of books about race, and a few more of those fantasy YA books. If you want to know what I'm reading for the month of March, you can find me on Instagram at medium.lady. I always review what I'm going to get into for the month on my stories and save that to highlights. 
Of course, I want to thank you for joining me today. Please remember that whatever you want to do with your free time is awesome. And sometimes it can take a bit of medium effort to get the most out of life. I'm Erin Vandevin, and this has been Medium Lady Talks, and I'll see you soon. Bye.